Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Seems like those wounds are still fresh because you keep picking the scab. Quit picking the scab, right? Our parents taught us that, right? When we're growing up, like, don't pick the scab, let it heal, right? I don't know if that's true or not. I have no idea. Maybe there's some sort of myth or something. I don't know, but I didn't. Well, I, let's be real. I'm a boy. I picked all the scabs, okay? So, because it's like, oh, blood. Um, but with these wounds, it's like, I get it. I know it happens, but we have to, we have to move forward. We have to move forward. Are you letting the wounds in your life heal? As you listen to today's message from Pastor James, he encourages you to move forward in your walk of faith. People in the church are going to let us down. People in the world will also let us down because both the church and the world are full of sinners. Pastor James urges you to quit picking at old scabs and continue moving forward in faith. God is completely faithful to take what the enemy meant for evil in your life and turn it around to be good. Don't fizzle out on your faith in the Lord. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 9 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Chapter 9, verse 14. When he came to his disciples, those are the, the, the nine who were remaining, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes, those are, the scribes are part of the religious leaders, disputing with them or arguing or debating with the disciples. Immediately when he saw them, all the people were greatly amazed, running to him, that's Jesus, and greeted him. And he asked the scribes, Jesus is talking to the scribes, what are you discussing with them? So Jesus walks down the mountain and he immediately sees there's something going on. Something's happening. Something's not right. There's some arguing that's going on. And the crowd sees like, oh, Jesus is here. So now they're, they're like all about him and they want to circle him and all that good stuff. The, you know, the, the famous one has shown up, but Jesus has no time for the crowd Notice that he, he doesn't really pay much attention to the crowd. He's going directly to the scribes and he's asking them, what are you saying to, to the disciples? What are you saying to my guys? Because he can tell there's a problem. The sad thing is this, um, in the midst of the, the commotion and the arguing and the debating and the who's right, who's wrong, all the stuff, you have somebody who's deeply wounded in the midst of a crowd. You have somebody who came seeking help from Jesus and his followers, but their, their story of suffering and their need is completely drowned out by the noise, completely drowned out by the noise. And that's really what Jesus is going to get to here. It's not really stated so much as this, but I do want us to, to note that he addresses the scribes and he's like, what are you debating, what are you arguing with my followers about? Because there's a reason why I left these guys here at the base of the mountain. They didn't get to go up to the mountaintop, and that's fine. You don't always go up to the mountaintop. Sometimes you got to stay back at the base of the mountain. Why? Because people need you. Because somebody needs you as you're a follower of Christ 
Again, why we don't live on the mountaintop and why we don't always go up on the mountaintop at the same time. It's kind of like a carousel in one sense, right? Some are up and some are down, and that's fine. I'm not talking about emotionally either. I'm talking about, man, some are facing mountaintop experiences. Life couldn't be better. And then some are like, you're in ground zero for a reason. Don't get mad at the ones who are going through amazing times on top of the mountain. Your time will come. Your time will come. You're at the base of the mountain for a reason, and I, we miss that so much. Why? Because we're so focused on other people and what they get. We're so discontent. I can see that in my own heart. I, I can see that within, man, with, within the church today. Church of America is just so discontent. We're not satisfied with anything. Because I think oftentimes we're so focused on, oh, man, that person has this blessing, and that person's going through. And it's like, well, you... You are where you are because the Lord has you there. And maybe like the other nine disciples, I don't know how they felt about being left at the bottom of the mountain. They probably were bummed out about it, as I would have been. Like, oh man, why do they get to go? Well, because he has you down there for a reason. Because there's going to be a dad who shows up with his kid who is desperately looking for help. And if they would have all gone up the mountain, this guy wouldn't have found anybody. Jesus left back some to minister to this guy who he knew was going to be there. The problem that happens within this story, it's a very common story. I think it's a very familiar story. The disciples can't help this guy. They can't. They should be able to. Make no mistake about it. They should have been able to help him. There's no excuse. None at all on their part, okay? So let's, let's press on into the story a little bit more. The one of the crowd answered, verse 17, and said, teacher, rabbi, this is a respectful term, how, how he's addressing Jesus is out of complete respect. I brought you my son. And we know from the other gospel accounts, what he says there is, I brought you my one and only son, my only begotten son. I brought to you my one and only son who has a mute spirit. And when it, where, wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. So immediately what we think here, and even Matthew's gospel kind of says this is like uh, epileptic. So is this like, is this a medical condition or is this actually demon possession? I'm going to tell you right now, it's demon possession, okay? Does it... it is, could it be connected to epilepsy and all that stuff? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I don't know how you think about demon possession. We have weird notions about demon possession, right? And I think we should blame Hollywood for that because we think demon possession, like their heads just start spinning around on their bodies, which is physically impossible. I don't know if you know that. Um, that's called movie magic. Um, yeah, right? And then they're spewing out green vomit and all this stuff. Like That's not how demon possession is. And it's like this weird, demon possession could be, this boy, it could be attacking his, that part of his brain that is causing a misfiring or a disconnect physiologically that could be leading to these, uh, these convulsions and foaming out the mouth and all this stuff. It could be mess, it's a demon that is messing with him. Some people like to address this as like, well, this is really probably more of like, this is a physical ailment and sometimes we label these as mental illnesses and things like that. I understand those arguments, but let me just clarify something real quick. Jesus made this boy. Jesus formed 
and fashion this boy in his mama's womb. Jesus is the great physician. Jesus knows epilepsy. He knows demon possession. And if Jesus, at the end of the story, cast out a demon, it's because he was demon-possessed. Okay? I trust Jesus. I trust Jesus that he knows how to differentiate between mental illness and demonic possession. And if he says this boy is demon-possessed, then the boy is demon-possessed. And it's messing with him in a different way than maybe with the guy earlier in, in Mark, where he was cutting himself and all this stuff, right? We remember that dude in the tombs. That guy was demon-possessed as well. How do you know that? Well, because you can't spread mental illness. You can't, it's not contagious in that sense of like, it can't go from one guy to 2,000 pigs. What can? Demons. And I know it's hard for our brains to wrap around sometimes, but you got to understand the Messiah, the Messiah showed up on the planet. If you don't think de demonic activity was going to spike, then you don't understand the Messiah and the real battle that we're in right now. It's a spiritual battle. Ephesians chapter 6. It's a spiritual war we are in right now. And when Jesus showed up on the scene, the enemy was aware of that, and the attacks were going to be on the, the increase. And here, this demon causes this young boy to be, well, we don't actually, technically, we don't know how old this, this young man is, but he's had this for a while. It, he can't speak. It's, it's a mute spirit. And it, it's, it takes a hold of him. And it throws him down and he foams at the mouth. He's gnashing his teeth. What, we, what we'll see in a second as well is that it is literally trying to destroy this young man because it tries to throw him down in fire. And then it tries to throw him into water. Why? Because it's following orders, steal, kill, destroy. That's what Satan does. And it has taken hold of this young man. How did he get demon-possessed? I, I have no idea. I have no clue. We're not, we're not you know, given those details. And it doesn't matter. The thing that matters, the focus of the story, is that Jesus can set him free. And there's power in faith. There is absolutely, there's power in faith. And faith in the one who can set people free. Absolutely. So here's a dad. I mean, just put yourself in this story. You even put yourself in, in this dad's shoes, right? Like you got your kid that you love so much and you're, you're getting him to the one person you know can help. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been disappointed by religion? Have you ever been let down by the church? The answer is yes. Yeah. I have been and I have done the letting down. I know that. You don't serve in ministry for 20, almost 20 years and not experience both sides of that, right? This is, and this is a common thing. This guy brings his son to Jesus' followers. Jesus isn't there. That's okay, because I know it wasn't too long ago that Jesus gave these guys power over demons, and they were going through neighborhoods, and they were setting people free so they can help my boy. They can help my boy. They've helped others. They can help me. And then you show up to church, and then the church is powerless. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever been hurt by the church? You probably have. You probably have. This isn't to say anything against the church, but you got nine disciples who at one point in time 
had the, and they still do have the power and the authority to, to work these miracles. But Jesus is gone and religious people have crept in. And so when this guy shows up to say, hey, um, oh, Jesus isn't here. Okay, that's cool. Here's the deal. Here's my son. He's possessed by this spirit. I need you to set him free. Well, then the religious people step in there and say, hold on, hold on. We don't believe in this. And then they, the religious one, the scribes, begin to argue with his followers. Notice the scribes are not Jesus's followers. The religious people are not Jesus's followers. They step in and they start an argument between themselves and the disciples. And they totally hijack the scene. And that's what Jesus comes down the mountain. He's like, what are you doing? What are you talking to my guys for? What are you arguing with them about? Because why? Jesus saw the father. He saw a broken dad. He saw this kid. And what he knew is, I've given my guys the power to help him. But it's a sad thing when religion steps in and becomes a hindrance to that help. And that's what we're dealing with within this story. I do want to encourage us, because I don't want to beat up on the church at all. I definitely don't. But I will say this. We as a church have to keep our eyes on Jesus, have to keep our eyes on him. Absolutely. Things may not go the way you want them to go, okay? They just may not. It may not work out the way you want it to work out. I, and I don't know. Nellie and I were able to go on a date Friday night, because our kids went to some dance. And it was amazing, because we got a date, which is, you know, rare. And we actually went out to eat. We had to wait. And it was like, oh, we've never had to wait for like a table. And, you know, it's been a while. Um, but we ran into somebody who used to go in another church. And they got hurt by this other church. And, and they, they go to another church now, which is, which is fantastic, which is great. But, it's, but you can't continue to carry that bitterness with you into the new church. I know this church may have let you down. I understand it. I don't know the stories. I don't care to know the stories because I know we're dealing with people and people are sinners. Hey, guess what? Pastors are sinners. People who work at church are sinners and they will let you down. We, all, we let each other down. That's just how it works, okay? Now, it's, it's sad and we want to avoid that at all costs. However, if you've been wounded, well, look, that, that breaks my heart. But we have to be able to move on. We have to move on, and we can't carry the bitterness with us. And that, was, that seemed to be what was all over this person. And they can't move past. How many years has this been since you've been there? It seems like those wounds are still fresh because you keep picking the scab. Quit picking the scab, right? Our parents taught us that, right? When we're growing up, like, don't pick the scab. Let it heal, right? I don't know if that's true or not. I have no idea. Maybe there's some sort of myth or something. I don't know, but... I didn't, well, I, let's be real. I'm a boy. I picked all the scouts, okay? So, because it's like, oh, blood. Um, but with these wounds, it's like, I get it. I know it happens, but we have to, we have to move forward. We have to move forward, right? This guy shows up and he's like, and, and, and I'm using the disciples as like the church. The, the church lets this guy down because the church lost its focus, they knew they had the ability to set this kid free. They absolutely did. Why aren't they doing what Jesus told them at, tells them at the end of the story? Why weren't they praying? Because they were arguing. And you can't pray when you're arguing. 
And if you're spending all your time debating and arguing back and forth with people, you can't pray. What they should have done was just stopped everything and said, you know what, what we're going to do right now? We're going to pray. We're going to pray. But they gave ear. I don't know how this all worked. It seems like these, the scribes hijacked the whole story because they begin this argument of like, no, we don't believe in demonic possession and all this stuff. And it's like, but that's what's happening to this kid. And so they, they're all caught up in an argument. And in the midst of the argument is the dad who is suffering because his one and only son, he can't help him. And he brought him to the only ones who he thought could help him. And they won't just, and they don't have time. They're just arguing all the time. Good lesson for the church is, how about we spend less time arguing and more time praying? Probably help out a lot more people. Church actually might be a little bit more attractive to the lost if we spent less time arguing and more time praying. I'm just saying. We might be setting more people free. Because Jesus is still in the business of setting people free. But I don't want to bring my one and only kid to a place where it's like, you guys can't even get along. I know he can help me, but you're supposed to be representing him. You're supposed to be that connection to him, right? Like the argument's going on. The dad steps forward. He states his case to Jesus. Verse 19, it says, Jesus answers him, and not just him, but like the, the crowds, okay? Because I don't want you to think it's like he's beating up on this dad at all. He says, oh, faithless generation or unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you or bear with you, right? Jesus is like, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. I'm, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be out of here. You guys got to figure this out. I'm not going to be with you all the time. And he, he addresses, and, and probably addressing the nine who were left back there, it's like, yeah, it's, it's your unbelieving. It's, it's your faithless, it's faithlessness. It's just, it, come on. You know what to do. You know what, I've shown you what to do. You've been taught. By now, you yourself should be teachers, right? I mean, we know that from the book of Hebrews. You've learned all the lessons. You've done all the Bible studies. You've, we've done all this stuff. Now, we know what to do. Jesus says, I think one of probably the most encouraging things, especially for this father, bring them to me. Bring them to me. And, and here's where I'll wrap the whole church thing illustration if you've been hurt and all that good stuff. And if you've ever cried out to the church to maybe to help your, your kid and, and all that good stuff, um, and you, then you're let down or disappointed by the church and all that stuff, here, ultimately, let me tell you this, you bring them to Jesus. I hope the church helps you. I hope that that happens. And I mean, again, we, we show grace to one another because we don't, all, we don't have it figured out, right? We don't have it all figured out. But if you've ever like, you just, you, you're trying, you're trying, you're trying. I'm going to tell you right now, you keep bringing, you bring your kid to Jesus. Bring him to Jesus. And don't stop. Don't ever stop. Just keep showing up. Keep bringing him. Jesus said, bring him to me. It says, and they brought him to him. And when he, the, the boy, saw Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell to the ground. 
wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And his dad says, from childhood, from early on, basically is what's being said there. He's like, I've been dealing with this for years. Imagine that, this dad who loves his only son and is willing to do anything and everything for his only son. I mean, he was going to get him to Jesus. But he's had to endure this for years, years. Imagine the helplessness and the hopelessness that, that, that rolls in like that morning fog. Like, I can't do anything, man. There's no, and I, it doesn't state this, but you can probably safely assume that he probably has reached out to doctors. Because what good dad wouldn't do that? Right? Early on, that's when it would have been one of the first things we would have done is take them to the doctor, right? Because maybe they can help them. They could get some medicine. They could fix them. Well, no, medicine's not touching this thing because it's not a medical issue. This is a spiritual issue. And then the Messiah shows up. Then the Messiah shows up. You hear about this guy, Jesus, getting baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. And he has this moment. And then that guy starts cruising around Israel, mainly in the Galilee region, right, where this guy just lives north of that. And he starts hearing the stories of, like, people are getting saved. People are getting healed. Miracles are happening. The Messiah. Hope has come. Hope has come. And then he makes that trek to the foot of the mountain, Jesus isn't here. Okay, you guys will do. Well, then we can't help you. Jesus shows up and he's like, give him to me. Let's talk about your boy. How long? What's the history? He, his dad even elaborates. He says, often he's thrown himself, or he has thrown him both into the fire and into water to destroy him. Like, I, I can't even imagine the heaviness of a dad having to communicate this. I can't even imagine that. Like, he's watching this unveil, like, happen in front of him multiple times. He has to constantly watch his kid. These are aspects of the story that we, we fail to realize. Do you understand that the 24-7 observation that has to happen in this young man's life of a dad and a mom who cannot sleep well? Because why? Because something's trying to kill my kid. If there's a fire going, it tries to throw him into the fire. If we're around a body of water, it tries to throw him into the water. We have to constantly be watching for our kid because something's trying to kill him. Can you imagine the stress and the, the toll that it takes on you physically, mentally, emotionally? This is a broken dad. And we see that perfectly encapsulated with with that next little statement. But if, if, why the if? Because he came fully expecting the disciples to help him, and they failed him. And the disciples, they're your students, and they should be able to, I mean, you taught them all this stuff. I've heard the stories about them. And, and man, if they can't do it, then does that, does that mean that you can't do it? If, if at all possible, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. There's so much weight to that statement, to that prayer request. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the dark.
We're so glad that you joined us for a look at the Gospel of Mark here on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James will continue to take you verse by verse through this New Testament book about Jesus. There's so much to learn. We pray that you've heard something today that's drawn you deeper into your relationship with the Lord. Do you have questions about what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus? Well, we would love to hear from you and talk more. So go to breadforthebroken.com and click on contact to leave a message for us. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. Or if you're in the Galveston area, we would love to get to know you in person too. Join us on Sundays or Thursdays as we study God's Word together at Calvary Galveston. You'll find service times, more information, and directions at our website. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. We're so grateful for our listening audience. And if this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you consider teaming up with us in a financial way? A lot is done to get these teachings out on the radio. And we're so grateful for those who feel led by God to contribute in that way. Simply go to the About tab on our website and you'll find the Donate link. We'd also like to ask you to be praying for us and for your fellow listeners. We can all use God's guidance and continued grace as we navigate this world with Him. Thanks for praying. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can also find it on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for tuning in today to Bread for the Broken.